Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Reclaimed Podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Alicia, the black girl out here trying to help everyone do better, including and especially herself. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Or if you're new here, hi, hello, welcome, welcome. Last week, your girl needed a break. Um, There's a lot of adjustment, a lot of moving parts, a lot of shifting things happening, and I needed a break, hence why there was no episode last week major apologies um for everyone coming in my dms like where's the episode where's the episode? did you drop it did, did something happen no nothing happened you guys um last week i was swamped with work and had a lot of uh wonderful revelations um or not revelations that's not the right word the correct word that i'm looking for is developments um for my own personal brand, I will announce those as they continue to drop. Um, but yeah, and you know, parenting a tiny person, which if you do it right, takes some time, uh, which is fine. You know, she has my time and I adore her. I am the biggest Emmy stan ever. And so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I also had to simultaneously pack up my house because I don't know if you guys hear the difference in the sound, but I am currently sitting in a bedroom in my mother-in-law's house in North Carolina as I record this. So, yeah, we made our way from Pennsylvania to North Carolina and have eaten some great food, seen some great people and had a load of fun. Um, I managed to eke out this tiny bit of a quiet time while Earl took the baby and his mother to go visit some relatives. So yeah, see, look, I make I make time for y'all. I love y'all. Um, oh, thank you, everyone who are leaving uh, reviews. That really, really helps with the show. If you have yet to leave a review, please do. Please go ahead on to whatever platform that you are listening to. Um, listening to this podcast on and if you're able to because I know certain platforms can't but if you're able to please leave a review and if you can't it's okay just drop it in my dms and leave it there like I use that like that's helpful that's helpful to me to know how the show is going it's helpful to others who are new to the show um, know what the show is even about and how the show works and what your thoughts are And so I appreciate that. Um, For everyone who has already left a review, thank you for making this show a five-star rated show. Um, (laughs) You guys are so kind, and I adore you. All right, let's not belabor the point. Let's get into the show. So last episode, we talked about the New York Times, the paper, the New York Times, how they made a massive and disheartening discovery on victims of police brutality. Um my mind is still spinning about that whole revelation you guys insane um but yeah if you want to know what that is go ahead and listen to the late the episode before this one uh Megan McCain's latest meltdown because she looked like she short-circuited there um how bias almost cost one homeowner over a hundred thousand dollars wild and ways that the united states can institute reparations it's not all 
just passing people checks. There's lots of other ways we could do it. So let's not belabor the point. Let's get into this week's episode and let's start with the church announcements. Hit it, Earl. Let the people of the reclaim say amen. Glad to be here, say amen again. And say amen one more time if you really like the show. We're glad that y'all here today and these will be your church announcements. All right. So admittedly, there's not that much going on, you guys. But of the things that are going on, we kind of got to talk about it. Let's start with Tom Hanks's latest piece for the New York Times. Now, I promise you I'm not a New York Times affiliate, nor am I a New York Times uh, influencer. They just keep popping up on the radar with some pretty great stories. Um, This one was an opinion piece written by Tom Hanks, and he guest wrote an essay where he discusses Tulsa. Um, For those who are unfamiliar with Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma was one of the sites of one of the worst racial, they call it racial, but it's racist. One of the worst racist massacres in the history of the United States. And very few people even know about that. And you, if you want to really make yourself nauseous, look how many more there are. Tulsa is not a one-off. You know, we could talk about Vicksburg. We could talk about Rosewood. We could talk about Wilmington, North Carolina. We could talk about so many others. Um, there's plenty, plenty, unfortunately. Um, it's almost like it's systematic. It's almost like if you have a thriving black community somewhere, systematically, whether through various law forming or financially or just outright going and burning, looting and pillaging. Systematically, those communities just end up disappearing. Um, But that's that on that part. Back to Tom Hanks's essay. Um, He wrote an essay and he says, quote, how different would perspectives would perspectives be had we all been taught about Tulsa in 1921, even as early as fifth grade. Today, I find the omission tragic, an opportunity missed, and a teachable moment squandered. Um, how dare Tom Hanks, first of all? How dare Tom Hanks continue to exceed my expectations of him? Um, how dare he? Like, how dare he just be one of the kindest, most insightful, brilliant men to grace entertainment like how dare he i thought he was only good for woody and big but here we are <laughs> and and philadelphia um and so many oh and save it private rise so many other fantastic films how, how dare he how dare he continue to just blow by expectations how dare he um and it's so funny because like i was scrolling through twitter and people have the same sense keep saying the same sentiments they're like bruh tom hanks like why are you why are you like this like why are you so great but he's right like first of all the fact that Tulsa even happened the Tulsa uh they called the race riot but it was there was not a riot um it was it was a massacre the official totals used to say that only 30 people died now after I think they found a mass grave at one point um, and people are still saying there's way, way, way more people, up to 300 people pat, um, died, uh, hundreds injured, thousands displaced, 
And worst of all, that city never financially recovered. Like not just that area of the city, that city period. Think about it. I don't care who has the thriving neighborhood in the city, uh, one of the thriving neighborhoods in the city that puts money into the city. So to take out one of the prime thriving, bustling areas of town, it just wrecked them financially, financially. Racism really does be costing people and people don't want to look at that. Like, you know, y'all want y'all keep wanting to have fun with your little slurs and hatred and stuff like that, you know, keeping just keeping the racism going. But really and truly, racism has cost this country more than what it's taking for all of these Republicans and 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 the far right to fight to keep it. Like and that's kind of the 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 gist of why critical race theory is so important. I know I talked to you guys about critical race theory the last few episodes and I told you that there will every single episode will feature a portion where I dive back into it. This is one of the reasons why it's important because it takes a look at events and systems and history and facts of a country and sees how it is shaped by its by its hatred by its racism how racism costs us and what's beautiful what's what's brilliant about critical race theory is that it takes all the emotion out of it so black people we get accused of being emotional and you know guys we are kind of emotional but this is not one of those things like you can't discount people's emotions around things such as racism and make that discount the importance or the critical nature or the vital nature of understanding why systems and problems exist. You know, critical race theory is literally looking at the facts, looking at what we have in front of us, why certain things are the way they are and how they can all be traced back to slavery, to one of the worst crimes ever committed in our nation's history. And it looks at it without emotion. And that's why this type of stuff is important. Um, And Tom Hanks is right. Like, think about it. Like, if we had all been just taught a healthy, honest discussion about our nation, how it started, like even in its founding, how the founding document straight up lies. It says all men are created equal. Men, how we determine, you know, human, all human beings are created equal. They didn't mean that. They meant all land owning wealthy white men were created equal. They didn't mean women. They didn't mean black folk. They didn't mean Native Americans. They didn't mean anyone else they didn't mean the disabled they didn't mean anybody else so how that document while it is a beautiful document when at the time that it was written a lot of things that are written in it are straight up lies lies and so to to view history in a sober minded not not you know nationalistic and not even you know 
patriotic, but in a sober, honest way. The same way we can look at Roman history, the same way we can look at Greek history, the same way we can look at European history is the same way we should be able to look at ours without this romantic view of these downtrodden people who made their way across the sea from Europe to found a nation for themselves that lets them be themselves without tyranny and lets them worship the way they want to. And, you know, it makes it all flowery and beautiful. And it wasn't. It was brutal. It was violent. It was hateful. It was it was horrifying. And we have to be honest about that. And I think the sooner that we're honest about it, the better. So here, here for Tom Hanks, you know, just constantly disappointing us with his level of greatness. Um, please, God, please don't let anything problematic pop up about Tom Hanks. Please, God. Oh, I know his son gets on our nerves. I know none of us like Chet Hanks because he keeps doing this Jamaican accent and talking about white boy summer. But guys, <laughs> Tom Hanks is a treasure. Tom Hanks, treasure. Um, all right, let's talk about this Naomi Osaka situation. So for those who are unfamiliar, Naomi Osaka is a wonderful, prolific tennis player of, I believe, Haitian and Japanese descent. So... She won a tournament against Serena Williams. The, remember this, the tournament where Serena, there's this clip of Serena yelling at an official saying, I've never cheated. I have never cheated. I have a daughter and I, I'm trying to be an example to her. I've never cheated. That was the thing. And remember when they were handing out trophies um, and Serena got her trophy and then Naomi got her a trophy. People booed Naomi and Serena took the mic and was like, don't boo. She's a phenomenal player and she deserves this moment. Yeah, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but that does not reduce this young woman's accomplishment. And she was right. First of all, that was a really gracious thing to do as a person in general, not just a, an athlete, but as a person in general, extremely gracious thing to do, right? You would think that that moment for Naomi was triggering not triggering sorry was traumatic that moment that moment for Naomi was traumatic and she recently started talking more about her mental health uh here we are at the French Open now Naomi is a few years in she is she has really really made a name for herself uh Last year during the tournament, she wore the masks uh, bearing the names of victims of police brutality and racist violence. And she has just been doing her damn thing. Here we are, 2021, French Open. She says, you know what? After this one particular game, a match rather, I, I'm going to sit out press. I'm, my mental health is not good. I really would rather not do the press after this match after this one match this one match this one singular one match the french open they went on a they tried to strong arm her basically saying if you're not going to do press for the french open we're going to fine you fifteen thousand dollars and we're going to in 
not so many words, but in so many efforts, force you to do press. In other words, we don't care about your mental health. We don't care about your mental health. You're going to talk to these people. You're going to talk to this press. And if you don't, we're going to kick you out of the French Open. And to that, Naomi said, forget your French Open. (laughs) And I quit. Like, I don't have to play. Listen, they're coming to watch me play. They're not coming to see y'all organizers. They're not coming to see y'all owners. They're not coming to talk to you guys. They're coming to watch me play. I'm the I'm the I'm the draw. The players are the draw. The players of the French Open are the draw. Just like the players of every sport are the draw. Nobody cares about the owners. Nobody's like coming to watch like you know, the referees. Like we're all coming to watch the players of the sport. That is the entertainment, watching the players of the sport. And Naomi is a massive draw for this one. And so she said, you know what? My mental health means more. And I'd rather just stop this conversation surrounding me. And I'm going to sit this one out. I wish all the players the best of luck. Um, Safe playing. And I'm going to go take care of myself. Um, It's... It's wild. It's gross. It's disgusting to me that it had to come to this where this young woman had to pick between her mental well-being versus her passion, her occupation, you know, and it it wasn't tennis that was causing her this mental anguish. It was the press and it was that one day and the French Open couldn't even give her enough grace couldn't even give her enough grace to just say, you know what? She's not, she's not doing well. She's not feeling well. Okay, no problem. You know what? We will arrange something later. You know, let's see if we can get like a statement from her to give to the press. Or let's try to figure this out. Or let's try to reach out. And they said that they reached out. I don't know how they reached out. Because if your reaching out was get your ass up and go talk to the press. Or we're going to find you and kick you out. And then... In addition to that, the other Opens, the other global tournaments kind of backed up the French Open. Like, yeah, if you don't do that, you'll have repercussions here, too. Child, that girl was like, "Mm -mm, I don't even have to play. I don't even have to play. People are coming to see me again. Like, and she didn't say this. um, And so I don't want you guys to misconstrue what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that she's a brat like, you know, Pierce Morgan. Pierce Morgan, of all people, having the audacity to shape his misshapen thin fish lips to say that one Naomi Osaka, who has stood up for her people, stood up for uh, women in general, and stood up for herself and her own mental health and well-being, called her a brat when you yourself walked off the set of Good Morning Britain just mere months ago because somebody talked about you having your little feelings hurt because Meghan Markle wouldn't call you back. And you got read for filth on TV and you pick up your ball and like, I'm going home. That's not the same thing. Like, how dare you? How dare you? who actually acted like a brat, who has been acting like a brat, who has thrown nothing but temper tantrums because this woman 
wouldn't give you a call back, wouldn't give you the time of day. And she is a literal duchess now and doesn't even think about you. And you, she lives rent free in your mind while you were still a married man, may I add, while you were still a married man. Like the awareness, the lack of it. Carry on, I guess. But he called her a spoiled brat. And then Candace Owens decided to put in her her lace front situation. Because if y'all notice, her, her hair, her hair has gotten so much better. Remember I told y'all it looked like just black straw? Now it looks like somebody has finally, like someone of the culture has finally gotten to her. So I'm not sure if they put a wig on her or if that's her actual hair um if she's just taking multivitamins drinking water um whatever she's still wicked she said some foolishness as well um it seems like a whole bunch of people it seems like all the people who hate like people standing up for themselves and common sense and decency had something negative to say about naomi osaka anyone with common sense could see like oh she's not doing well Let's not force her to go talk to people who are notably nasty to athletes to try to make their story. And I say this as a person who has sat in those types of meetings, in those types of of, of press events. I've said that as a person who has worn a press badge. I've said that as a as a person who writes these stories. So if it's not if it's not healthy for them, don't force them to do it. It's not like she was like, you know what? I want to go hang out with Corday, who is her boyfriend, who is a rapper. Um, and they're so cute together. Um, it's not like she's like, you know, I want to go hang out with Corday. I want to go roam the streets of Paris and be romantic and young with my rapper. No, she said, you know what? This one day I'll have it for him. I just don't have it. I just can't do it. And rather than recognizing her humanity, which I personally feel they would have done for a white girl. And I said as much on my Instagram and remind like at the end of the show, I'll tell you more about that. But I said it. I said, this is an example of what women of color go through daily, specifically black women. We cannot have bad days because then we're viewed as slackers. We can't have anxiety because then it looks like we have an attitude. We can't have depression because then it looks like we're being drama queens. We like ugh, the freedom that our white counterparts get with. They can be soft. They are allowed to be delicate. They're allowed to have support. Um, we're not afforded. We are expected commanded demanded to give and take take care of to work and to be strong and to tough it out until we collapse from the weight of it all and then everyone looks at us like we are the problem i'm proud of naomi i'm proud of naomi for choosing self for saying you know what y'all can keep this hole open now she didn't do this she was extremely humble but if it were me and someone was talking to me, I would say, y'all can keep this hole open. It's not worth my mental health. It's not worth my peace of mind. It's not worth me dragging myself to pretend. You know what's wild? You know what's wild? The whole wild thing about mental health is that no one would tell a cancer patient who is sitting in a hospital bed that they have to get up and go to work. No one would tell someone who is coughing and hacking up a lung from COVID in an ICU room that they have to go do a press junket. 
But a person who, I don't even know what point you have to get to when, you know, it's not just a bad day. It's a bad time. It's a bad time where you're like, "Mm -mm, I can't do this for my own health. And people are like, nah, do it. We need to reframe, re like we need to discuss how we honestly view mental health. It's not just something cute that we can be like, oh, I'm taking a mental health day and we go get our nails done or go get our hair done, which you can do. That's your business. If you if that's what you choose to do, please go do that. But we can't keep skirting around this, not when there's, you know, Kurt Cobain's and Kate Spade's and Anthony Bourdain's and God, so many other people who walk in darkness and depression and anxiety and deep, deep sadness because of their own mental illness. We can't do that, especially not now. I applaud Naomi for choosing herself. Sure, there's a bunch of people who are like, well, you should just tough it out. Those people suck. (laughs) Those people suck. It's not like she wants to go get her nails done, guys. She wants to ensure that she is mentally healthy. I can't even believe this is even a discussion. So since then, since then, because the French Open looks like, they look like animals right now. They look horrible. Like the, God, I would hate to be the PR for these people. I would hate to be. But the long and short, they wrote some type of thing like, oh, we've reached out to Naomi and you know, we believe in the health and wellness of our players and we affirm the well-being of our players. And then that person who delivered that message left the press conference. So they didn't want to do the press conference either. <laughs> they didn't stick around and, and answer any questions. They read the statement and left. So they don't want to do it either. So what's the big, what's the big idea? What's the, what's the big, what, what is the hubbub? What is the hubbubaloo? What is all, what is it? What is it? It's because she's black and she's standing up for herself. I mean, not black. Is she because she's biracial and she's standing up for herself? Is it because she's a girl? I mean, she's a young woman and she's standing up for herself. Is it because you think that with all your big dollars that y'all are supposed to be the end all be all and Naomi is currently the most paid athlete currently like on the books right now the most paid athlete and she could decide that she doesn't want to work again for the rest of her life and that would be fine and she would be okay what is it what is it tell me what it is because telling a 21 year old woman who has dealt with very public very public trauma been thrown in the public eye at an extremely young age no one tells you how to navigate that no one teaches you how to address that no one teaches you what to do and yet you're still forced to just be there and do these things it's questionable it's very questionable so best of luck to naomi um venus Venus Williams, uh, she just, uh, she, well, other athletes were asked about it. Um, oh, let me tell you what made me mad about what else made me mad about that whole thing. And I should have said this earlier. So from the official French open account before this whole BS apology, 
um, this whole BS apology that we heard from the French Open folk. Uh, <laughs> they put up a video of, I mean, not a video. They put up a bunch of photos of different athletes doing press and how they, you know, how they all kind of just dealt with it and came in and talked. And then they had some, they had a caption that said something to the effect of they understood the assignment to which I say a big and hearty F you. Like, how are you trolling a 21-year-old who is prioritizing her own health and well-being? The thing that you would want an athlete to do. Because if they're not healthy, they can't play. They can't draw. They can't bring the attention. And instead of being understanding, you're trolling her from your official account. Now, I'm not sure if that was tweeted and deleted. But, bruh, we see you. We see you being horrible human beings. Um, but back to Venus, Venus, um, was recently asked how she deals with the pressure. Cause you know, everyone's talking about Naomi Osaka, which is the weirdest thing because she did all of this and left the French open so that nobody would be talking about her. And unfortunately it had adverse effects because of the bigger, not just the bigger discussion, but you know, there's some star power there for her. And she's, like I said, very humble. And she just, she just wants to play tennis and be with her boyfriend and enjoy her life. I don't understand what the problem is, y'all. But Venus had uh, these words to say. For me personally, how I quote, how I deal with it was that I know every single person asking me a question can't play as well as I can and never will. So no matter what you say or what you write, you'll never let it candle to me. So that's how I deal with it. Um, but each person deals with it differently. Yeah, Venus ran out of F's to give. She ran out of F's to give. She's like, um, yeah. For me, me personally, none of y'all can none of you writers sitting in this press junket right now, y'all can never play like I play. Y'all wouldn't even have anything to write about if I didn't play. Um so, you know, you can write whatever you want to write, but at the end of the day, that's that. And um I feel like I'm taking that as a life mantra. <laughs> For me personally, like you, you can say whatever you want to say about me, but you can't do any of the stuff that I do for you to even be able to say any of the things that you have to say. So that's how I deal with it. Brilliant. Just black women. Just ugh, they'll just save the world. Um. So, yeah. Shout out to Venus. Shout out to Serena for showing Naomi so much love. Shout out to Coco Golf. So y'all remember maybe, uh, it, God, it probably is a few years ago now on the podcast. We talked about Coco Golf. Coco Golf is another black player. Um, gosh, I don't think she's even 18 years old. Another phenomenal tennis player who played against Naomi um, and I believe lost. But Naomi kind of took her under her her wing and like they did the press thing together and they stood together and Naomi got to say really affirming things about Coco and it was just this beautiful beautiful moment in just black girldom it was just so sweet and so uh just heartwarming watching these two and watching Naomi um get her to stop crying like because she was Coco was clearly disappointed because she wanted to win um but she got to play with Naomi and they kind of, you know, she kind of looked up to Naomi the same way Naomi looked up to Serena. Um, and so it was just like this really sweet moment how they got to do press together. 
uh, Coco was in the middle of her interview and, you know, she was, she was saying something to the effect of, you know, how she deals with her mental health. Cause I guess this became the talking point of the, of the, uh, the French open, you know, and, um, you know, how people compare her to Serena and one of the French, uh, Press people came out and was like, oh, is it because you're black? God damn it. (laughs) God damn it. It's just, it's 2021 and y'all are still so vapid and just dense. Why would you ask that question? Why would you ask? I see why Naomi didn't want to talk to y'all. Because that is the type of stuff that we encounter is because you're black it could be because of the same playing styles it could be because they grew up i don't know where coco grew up but if it could likely be possible they grew up in the same place or near the same places they could have had similar training styles they could have you know had a similar track record with their lives um same patterns of of things where people see serena in coco uh, there could be a lot of other things before we talk about her ethnicity, guys. I mean, before we talk about her race, guys. <sighs> Exhausting. Exhausting. I just, I wish Coco the best. And I hope these black girls run these people um, in this French Open because I just, this is just, y'all are just disappointing but best of luck to coco i hope she gets all the help that she needs and should she decide to return to the sport should she decide to return to the matches in the open i pray that she is healthy across the board so we are going to do something we haven't done in a really long time and that's talk the mess and the message segment of this show um I want to talk about this whole bonnet situation. So recently, a post was shared by a man named Bert. Bert was in the airport. We all would have wished he would have minded his own business. He didn't. And he's standing outside of security. There is maybe five or six black women checking into security, um, getting ready to go to their different destinations. And Bert decides to snap a picture of these five, six black women. Maybe four or that four of them are wearing bonnets. Bert apparently has a massive problem with black women show, showing up to the airport in bonnets. This discussion has sparked massive conversation that ultimately even had stars like c- comedian and actress Monique weigh in. Um, and she pretty much shared the same sentiment that he did. Now, she said it with a lot of sweet babies and stuff like that, but... It's the same sentiment. He He's straight up just saying, black women, I'm sick of this. Why y'all doing this? Why y'all do this? Why y'all out here like this? I didn't even get all of them in the picture, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Monique took it a step further and said that, um, and I'm paraphrasing, folks who show up out in the street like this have no self-respect. Here's my take. Why do we still care what other people are wearing? Seriously, why does it bother Bert or Monique so much about what other people are wearing, what black women are wearing to the airport or to run our errands? Who cares, y'all? Who cares? What's worse, these women are literally minding their own business. 
Like, not one of them is looking up at this camera. Not one of them is traveling with Bert. It doesn't seem like any of them are related to Bert, know Bert, have a romantic relationship with Bert, or even care about Bert. They are literally minding their own business when this man makes an opportunity, tries to have an opportunity to make a mockery out of them. And it's so frustrating. They are all in line in the airport, going through security, grabbing their bags, getting readjusted, getting their clothes readjusted because, you know, when you go through that whole thing and they, sh- they shake. I don't think they still shake your hair. Thank God. I had that happen maybe twice. And that was really frustrating. I'm like, you think I'm hiding contraband in my afro? Like, for real? Like, for real? Like, there's nothing in here but hair, like, condition, deep, con- not deep conditioner, leave-in conditioner, and maybe a hairpin or two. It just this that's and they don't do that to Becky or 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 Sarah or 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 Jillian. They don't do that to them. They just do it to us. Um, I think they stopped that, though, as they should have. There's no reason to shake down an afro. Like, come on, guys. Come on. Um, But they're literally boarding. They're like literally getting ready to board a plane. Who cares what they're wearing? Who cares what people are wearing on the plane? Like, as long as you have clothes on and they're clean. I don't care. Like, I literally do not care. Um, I didn't know that this is like this big fashion thing where like people care about airport style. The truth of the matter is planes are uncomfortable. Just be comfortable. Like, and this whole idea that these women have no self-respect because they show up with a bonnet on their head when there is literally in the state that I am currently in a festival called the Do-Rag Festival, y'all. The Do-Rag Festival. Do-Rags are experiencing massive popularity. And to be honest, I feel so indifferent about them. I don't see, like, but some people love them. Bruh shows up with a Do-Rag to ev- everywhere but church and his wedding. So I'm like, okay, Do-Rag, cool. Like I said, there's a whole Do-Rag Festival. Uh, Rihanna showed up to one of the award shows with a crystal Do-Rag and was on... um uh, I can't remember what the magazine was, but was wearing a do-rag. Uh, Solange showed up to the Met Gala with a do-rag on. Like, t- t- with Lil Nas X had a bunch of dancers wearing flowing do-rags. Do-rags are, like, the big business. Even the white kids now are wearing do-rags, which I don't understand why y'all are trying to get waves when y'all don't even have the same hair texture that we do. But all right, cool, cool, cool. I, I Okay, all right, we see you. Fine, 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 fine. Just taking things that you don't understand just like aave um but back to what i was talking about this whole presentable argument like people are saying it's not presentable this whole presentable argument is giving me major respectability politics vibes and i don't know if we've talked about it on this show but we've definitely i feel like we i've definitely talked about it on the blog so i need to talk about it here Respectability politics is defined as, by dictionary.com, a set of beliefs holding that conformity to a prescribed mainstream standard of appearance and behavior will protect a person who is part of a marginalized group, especially a black person, from prejudice and systematic injustice. It gives black people uh, the illusion that a level of act a level of economic playing field. Respectability politics places blame on the group 
already hindered by discrimination. It's your fault because you let your pants sag. It's your fault because you have grills. It's your fault because blah, blah, blah. So I get to be racist to you. I get to be hateful to you. I get to be disrespectful to you because you dress this way, because you look this way. Um, it The whole situation screams, we better look and act right because white folks are watching us. As if appearance makes anyone, black, white, or anybody else, respect you. The inference that because these women, who, again, are minding their own business at the airport, somehow have no self-respect because of their bonnets, is a bad one. It's giving me, what were you wearing vibes. You know how they ask that question when, like, something terrible happens to a woman and, like, the first question they ask is, what were you wearing? As if what you were wearing cause this person to treat you poorly you get what i'm saying i'm gonna let that hang right there it's here's a here's a reminder that i think we all need both martin luther king jr and malcolm x were shot while wearing suits it doesn't matter what you wear if folks don't like you they simply don't me personally i don't like airports or airplanes I'm, uncom- I'm uncomfortable in airplanes. So when I show up to an airplane to travel, I want to be as comfortable as possible. If that is a bonnet or a scarf for me, then that's my business. I am not dressing to the nines to be on a stuffy aircraft for a few hours that I'm likely to fall asleep in. Okay? I'm, I'm not. Again, that is my business. At the end of the day, I kind of feel like we all should just mind our business you know because no one's talking about Rebecca showing up with that dirty baseball cap that she pulls her ponytail through in the back right nobody's talking about uh Hillary running to the store in her pajama pants nobody's talking about that why is it that we feel so comfortable making commentary on the things that black women wear why why? And I didn't even need to bring up those examples of, of the things that I've seen white women wear. Because in truth, it doesn't matter. They still deserve respect. It doesn't matter what you wear. You still, as a human being, your value lies in your human beingness, not in what you wear. And I hear, I hear people right now. I hear people saying, Whitney, you know, it just shows that you have... Um, respect for yourself it shows you know how you dress how you present to the world shows that you're a queen um i'm a queen no matter what i wear because queenliness is not in the it's not in the fabric it's not in the jewelry it's in the person it's in the human yes true there's a time and a place for everything i and i'm the first person to say that it is there is a time and a place for everything so no don't show up to your uh, anyone's wedding dress like this of course not but going on errands y'all run into the store real quick going to drop off some mail hopping on a plane come on y'all we have to stop using this excuse to devalue people because of what they wear specifically black women leave black women alone all right, that's it for this <laughs> this week's mess and message. Let's get to the wrap up rant, and um, we're gonna have something a little different at the end of the show. I'll explain later. 
All right, it's time for the wrap up rant. And this one goes out to a late special lady named Sandy. Sandy is a white woman who decided to drop into my comments about my Naomi Osaka post on Instagram. Sandy was trying to say that why do we have to bring race into everything? Um, Playing the race card is not cool. Um, If, uh, God, what is the name of that? I don't have my, I don't have the post right in front of me and I probably should, but you get the point. Um, if Billie Jean King, that's her name. If Billie Jean King had done this, people would have said the same thing, blah, 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 blah. And I told her that first of all, don't say race card anymore because that's a huge tell. Like if you're, if you're looking to not appear racist, MAGA-ish, far right-ish, you don't say things like race card. Do not use that phrase Mm-mm, ever. No, just drop it. Um, second thing, why are you trying to talk over black women when not only in my post, but you could just head to the comments and see something like 10 to 15 other black women confirming that this is true, that we experience this, that people, we are not believed for our health situations. Hell, there's whole studies about how black women aren't believed when we talk about we're in pain physically. And I'm waiting for the one that comes out that deals with our mental health because if we're not believed physically we're damn sure not believed with our mental health so sandy decides to go back and forth with me um <laughs> and i love it i love that white people want to tell us that racism exists and that like like that's going to be a big shocker reverse racism is a thing sandy reverse racism is not a thing because the way racism works it's based upon systematic oppression okay Systematic oppression by white people of people of color. I am not a white person. I can't be racist to you. I can be prejudiced to you. I could be discriminatory to you. I could be just downright nasty and mean to you. But the one thing I can't be is racist because where I stand in the power structure. Okay. And it's not being a victim. It's not being a victim. It's not being a victim to say that these things are a problem. It's not being a victim to call these things out. It's not. None of these things makes you a victim. What makes you a victim is how you let it define you and how you let it sit you down and how you let it keep you stuck. Those things make you a victim. So, ugh, Sandy, Sandy just decided to keep going with the whole situation so I just ignored her but I pretty much told Sandy in the first comment that as a white woman if you're having trouble with this look at the feminist movements look at how four different movements of feminism have either used or profited off of black women's voices but cared nothing about black women's concerns it's just like oh it's great to have you at the 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 girl power rally wearing the pussy hat um, but hey, are y'all going to show up to the Black Lives Rat, uh, Matter rally P- prior to 2020? Because I don't, y'all went ham 2020 for BLM. Uh, shout out to everybody who like became full advocates. They said, F an ally. I'm an advocate. And I'm like, oh, yeah. F an ally. I'm an accomplice. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I live for it. Yes, let's do it. Um. But prior to that, people were really icky and iffy about BLM. People were really icky and iffy about black rights. 
I didn't really know where they stood. So, yeah, y'all. Yeah, y'all. So, Sandy can go kick rocks. She got a bunch of free education from a black woman. And if she's not going to take it, then I wish her the worst. Um, Not like death or anything. Just like the constant feeling of stepping on Legos whenever she walks through her house. Um, So, I wanted to take a moment i know we usually do blacks in the deep end at this portion but i really want to take this moment to highlight a person who was not black in fact this is a white man named lieutenant colonel retired uh bernard kempter bernard kempter was asked to speak on memorial day in hudson ohio and he wrote an entire speech, which was approved by the event organizers. Uh, but he had a portion in it that discussed uh, the free uh, the free black people who, after enslavement, went to Charleston, South were living in Charleston, South Carolina, rather, and gave a proper burial to the Union soldiers who had been tossed into a mass grave gave them proper burials, um, and hell, started Memorial Day, and how that story goes untold. And Bernard Kempter had his mic cut off when he got to that portion of the speech. It was really uncomfortable and very unfortunate because it it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful speech. And the large portion of it got cut off. It's just, mm. it's unfortunate, like I said, and it's, it's sad and it's disheartening because he was just trying to say about this beautiful thing. Like, let's, let's marinate on this. Let's marinate on this. Okay. You are a person who has been enslaved. Your family has been enslaved. Their family has been enslaved. Everybody you know who looks like you is a slave, right? Suddenly you're free. How patriotic do you feel about this country that has done nothing but sell you, um, treat you like property, rape your sister, brutalize your family, maybe dismember or hang you, Like, how patriotic do you feel? And yet I can think of nothing more patriotic than what these formerly enslaved peoples did than to go to a mass grave and dig up the bodies of the Union soldiers, the people who fought on the side for them to be free and give them proper burial. How how patriotic that makes you. Therein lies patriotism. It's not in the flags that we wear on our tank tops, which if you were really a patriot, you wouldn't do that because that goes against flag protocol. Um, But yeah, it's not in those flags. It's not in the fireworks. It's in the duty and the deed. And these people who had no reason, no reason to be patriotic, took time out of their lives their newly freed, brand newly freed lives and offered these soldiers a proper burial. There was a parade of up to 10,000 people, 3,000 black school children sang songs, three union uh, 
battalions did drills. There were sermons, there were speeches. And it was just this beautiful moment that we now know as Memorial Day that we've never been told about. I found out this story last year. And not because anyone taught it to me. I saw it in like a random, random scroll on Instagram. And then there's this whole Times article that I wrote, um, that I made a video about on TikTok. And I was like, wow, why aren't we telling these stories? Why would his mic be cut off right then? Why would Lieutenant Colonel um, Kempter's mic be cut off right then? When there's nothing more patriot patriotic than what those formerly enslaved peoples did coming from the mouth of a person who fought for this country what the organizer said was quote that part had nothing to do with the ceremony that we were having that day you wouldn't have a damn ceremony if it wasn't for those people. You wouldn't have a damn ceremony if it wasn't for the, the, the formerly enslaved people who, in essence, created Memorial Day. And you wouldn't have Memorial Day if it wasn't for people like Lieutenant Colonel Kempter. Gross. Disgusting. Just sometimes y'all just be outing yourselves with racism. But I wanted to shout out Lieutenant Colonel Kempter for sharing what should have been a beautiful story in the middle of a what appears to be a park or cemetery in Hudson, Ohio. Shout out to him. Um, I hope I don't find out anything problematic about him, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's our show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your subscribes. Please don't forget to leave a review. Please, please, please. It lets me know uh, what you guys are thinking about the show. Um, if you want to keep this show independent, you can head on over to Patreon. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Whitney Elise. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Whitney Elise. And you can become one of my patrons over there keeping this show independent. Um, like I said, we're going to be talking a lot more about critical race theory. We're going to be talking a lot about black history because Juneteenth is literally right around the corner. Um, so cash app your favorite black. No, (laughs) kidding guys. Not kidding about the cash app, but the black part. Um, and, uh, I hope you all are being safe and being well as we come out of quarantine, um, carefully, safely. And, uh, yeah. Other than all that, peace y'all.